Welcome to Confessional. I'm Kayla Shelton, along with Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your darkest. Confess to us. We won't tell. So you can tell us anything. No one's listening. On today's confessional, the definitive horror movie. All right, everybody, welcome to the confessional. My name is Mike Moran, and I am joined today not by a co-host. We don't have a co-host today, Jimmy. Uh, we don't, but you said my name before introducing me. Yeah, <laughs> but we do have Jimmy. <laughs> I uh, yes, I'm here. I'm the producer, guys, and I'll be filling in as co-host. Maybe. Well, I don't think we we can go that far, but you will chime in from time to time. I will chime in from time to time. I'm just kidding, Jimmy. Apparently, not as much dude. as I thought I was going to. According <laughs> to Mike. No, it's been a while since we've had a, had a good Jimmy sewed with lo- lots of Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually when Mike fucks up the booking. Right. Uh, what yeah. happened today? Yeah, so Rose good. was supposed to come, but. Uh, <laughs> she just breathed hard. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, our subject today is going to be the definitive horror movie. What is the one movie you would say defines horror? If, if they had to put one horror movie in the encyclopedia, what would it be? Mm-hmm. If you were, if, say, you were talking to an alien, Jimmy, mm-hmm. from another planet, and you had to show them one example of what a horror movie is. Yes. This is this is the one you would choose. The definitive horror movie. The definitive. Have we said the word definitive yet? No, but it's a good one. It is a good word. All right. And our guest, I'm very excited to have him here. I've wanted to have this guy on the podcast for a long time. I have known him for a long time. He is a fantastic artist. Uh, he's done stand-up comedy before. He's, uh, he's He wants to do music. Please welcome to the podcast Albert Schweitzer. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's fun and neat because comedy and music is what it's about. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your art, Albert. Well, I like painting a lot of uh, zany little critters and creatures and whimsical insects and animals that create goods and bads of human nature. And wow. Juxtapositions of the human condition. I like comedy. I like horror. I like a sense of uh, bizarre and surrealism. Mm, mm. And horror movies is fun, too, because a lot of times my art looks like Fisher Price threw up. Um, people, <laughs> is there a horror element to your, to your there paintings? There is. It's like life seems to be a horror movie. If, if you haven't, I mean, it's true. Life... Yeah. It can be. It you get out of bed and there's freaks everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's you need a good night's sleep. Trust me uh, to deal with the world. That's very true. Because it's a mess out there. Right. Well, where can people find your art? Oh, I know. Um, on Facebook, uh, Albert Schweitzer, Baltimore artist. Just look me up and. I've showed everywhere, and it's fun. Yeah, do you have a show coming up, right? Oh, yes. at the uh, Down on Babies on Fire, it's part of Soundgarden, the record shop on Thames Street, mm-hmm. right at the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. 
uh, in January. Awesome. Mike Bowen is the owner, and he um, invited me to be there. Awesome, awesome. We'll look that's a good to show. That. Yeah, Eric's on absolutely. that. I think. Does Beth Hayden run that? Well, that's I, that's a different show. He's doing. Oh, okay. The, yeah, right the, down the down venue now. is called Babies on Fire. Uh, I believe her show is called Ugly, um, Baby. Ugly Baby. Okay, yeah. Babies on Fire is the one in Fells Point. Yeah, in Soundgarden. Yeah, cool. it's where the record store was in Soundgarden. Got it. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Where can people find the confessional if they're insane enough to <laughs> confess to us? If you would like to do that, uh, you can find us at conf- uh, facebook.com slash confessionalpodcast for uh, any submissions. Mike posts up usually every week what the topic is. People list their uh, people list their own personal confessions. Also, if you go on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, really anything that you can find stuff on, right. uh, it's Confessional Podcast on all those things for uh, streaming us, downloading stuff, everything like that. Awesome. And real quick, tell us about your podcast. Uh, my podcast, I do a, a podcast called Live from the Studio with comedian Eric Glazer, who I just tried to plug on that show, but it turned out that he's not on that show. It's a completely different show with the word baby in it, but uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh so that is LFTS podcast on everything. We do a, well, a weekly podcast. We bring on musicians, comedians, artists, really anything, anybody who does anything and discuss uh, all kinds of random stuff. Not nearly as uh, organized and structured as this one is. <laughs> which is saying which a is, lot. Uh, that's saying a whole <laughs> lot. But uh, yeah, LFTS podcast on everything. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into a confession, Albert. This is from Jay Insult, Asbury, New Jersey. I feel like it was uh, okay. So we're talking about Night of the Living Dead. You ever seen Night of the Living Dead? Um, possibly six packs ago, <laughs> or whatever. Right. I think I was in a blackout. Uh, but <laughs> it sounds scary. Well, I mean, this is Jay's take on it. I feel like it was a particular nexus point that distilled down many of the elements of horror that had become before, and influenced just about everything that came after. It's not complicated. You don't have to really bring all that much in to understand it, although there are socio-political themes that you can dig into. It contains great examples of suspense, action, psychological horror, gore, all in a very balanced way. That's the low-budget paradox aspect, uh, where it is actually a much better movie due to the small amount of money they had to work with, and overall it touches on some pretty elemental human fears about our own mortality. That was a well-written confession, Albert. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'll have to look it up and watch it, like on Netflix or something. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it definitely feels very antiquated. I mean, I think it was made in the '60s, was but it, it almost feels like it's in the '40s. Movie yes, I think it was like really the first maybe? zombie movie as we think of them. I'm sure know? I watched it, like with the multiple it. corpses coming at you. Corpses. I think yeah. before that, like a zombie was, you know, there'd be like a, a, a voodoo priest that brings a person back to life or something oh. like that. But this was like the flesh eating, you know, kind oh, of stumbling I'm along. Sh- maybe I did see it. I I forget. It was didn't it come out after Bambi and Close Encounters <laughs> of the Third no, Kind? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, who knows? Yeah, it sounds horror. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of take it Go as to like Cherry the- Buster and rent it. <laughs> you know, I mean, weirdly, Blockbuster. weirdly there is a uh there was a thing with it where they screwed up the rights, and so they never had a copyright on the movie, which means like you could get it anywhere for years. It's probably on YouTube now. Hmm. Like Nobody owns it or something. Night of the Living Dead. I'm definitely going to have to see it tonight. Yeah. I promise you. It's, I, 
I feel like it's, uh, like Jay was saying, there's kind of a socio-political uh, element to it. But it almost feels like one of those situations where that was ascribed to it afterward, you know, like retrospectively. Like, uh, there's there's kind of a, a racial element of it. Like, the, uh, the hero of it is black, which was very rare for a, a movie at that time. And a lot of people have ascribed, um, you know, there's political meaning to it. But the director has admitted that the character wasn't even supposed to be black in the beginning. Did it take place in New York City, maybe, I'm no. thinking? Or? No. They filmed it actually in Pennsylvania at a farmhouse. Oh. It was very low budget. Hmm. Um, George Romero, who later made The Dawn of the Dead and The Day of the Dead. I've seen Zombie. That was a good uh, zombie movie, literally. The one where he fights a shark. 1979. Probably. Doesn't it, the zombie fight a shark in that movie? I don't think I've seen that one. It, it You're was thinking good. of shark, Sharknado, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swear, there's a freaking shark. I think it like came out after Jaws. Wow. They're like, well, we got to have the zombie fight a shark now. Otherwise, people are going to be like, what's the point? He's Talk not a shark. Talk about jumping the shark, dude. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa Del Rio was oh. in Jaws, or Linda Lovelace. She had a locked jaw after she had John Holmes, but that's hey. another story. <laughs> All right. Albert. What would you say is the definitive horror film of all time? Well, I loved Halloween. I thought Jamie Curtis, if anyone's familiar with her, she's from Activia Yogurt fame where they go, (laughs) Activia! (laughs) But um, she played Lori, Mm -hmm. and she was this daughter of a mom and dad who had a brother named Michael, and... I think uh, uh, Richard Carpenter, no, John Carpenter, John Carpenter mm-hmm. uh, created weird synth- uh, synthesizer soundscapes. Yeah, that music, that music made that movie. And I mean, Michael stabbed like a sister and a brother or something like that. Yeah, he I stabbed guess. his sister in the beginning. Sister. Yeah, and then it just was haunting, mm-hmm. and uh, Laurie. Daniels or whatever her name. No, that's Cher's <laughs> hairdresser. I believe it's uh, Everyone Lori, Lori good Strode next to Lori Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Lori Strode was her name. Lori Strode, yeah. yeah. Or, and I just, I promise you, it'll scare you. Uh-huh. That is one of the few movies that, no matter how many times I watch it, it definitely makes me tense and puts me on edge. You know, it does. it's just like a brilliant. Uh, mix of atmosphere and music and visuals, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do feel like it isn't perfect. They're, they're, like, some of the acting in it is kind of bad. It, it it was. It's raw, yeah. rawly done, but somehow the music was stark. Yeah, the music is definitely the well, best The original one was done, it was like an independent type of film, right? And then, yeah. when they, then after the success of that, when Halloween 2 came out, that was like a bigger budget. Yeah. And you can yeah. honestly tell... Because I just watched both movies yeah. on Halloween this past year, and uh, you could tell just the difference in quality between the second oh, one absolutely. and the yeah. first one. But the second one, I feel like there was a lot more, like, you know, I think a lot of people gave the second one crap because so much of it was, like, based around the nurses in the hospital and, like, stupid bullshit, you know what I'm talking mm. about? Yeah. But uh, the first one was, I think it was better written. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I actually like the second one too. I, feel I like liked the, them both. I liked them both. Yeah, yeah the that, second one has its own kind of thing. That doctor on part two said, 
I cannot find anything that even represents that he's remotely human. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Loomis was awesome Loomis in that. Donald Pleasant. I think they gave him. I think he they, came the, home. The criticism about the <laughs> second one was because uh, uh, Eric's brother, Eric Glazer's brother, Alex, is a big horror movie fanatic, and he was uh, giving me the giving me the. Uh, the dosage on Halloween 2 about how a lot of people were criticizing the fact that he didn't use the knife as much. He was killing people in other ways. Yeah, they kind of like started making it more over the top. Like, yeah. kind of, like he it like almost injected I, something in somebody. Yeah, I feel like it was a, a case of like other movies started imitating Halloween but upping the ante. Mm-hmm. And then Halloween 2 had to kind of imitate those movies, you yeah. know? Yeah, like he like he like dunked the one guy in the in the hot tub that was like boiling water. Right, right. Which I was thinking like, why would you ever make a hot tub that could get that hot? Well, it was yeah. like a medical grade, like. Uh, oh, so if you're trying to heal somebody, you can boil them. <laughs> <laughs> Only when in the process of trying to save someone's life can you boil them alive. <laughs> yes, hydrotherapy. Or like maybe they did a lot of weird shit on. back in the I cuckoo's nest days. I think he turned days. the knob on and heated the water hotter. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But the, uh, and then and then the other thing when he walked in the office and he had like he had like injected yeah. somebody with air right. and I was like oh. is Michael Myers like that calculated right, right, is right. that his yeah. character I don't yeah think he so. kind of became like Lex Luthor or something that's it is like with that there's just the first one really wasn't about the kills yeah it was just about the stalking and the haunting it wasn't about how creative is the way he's going to kill him you know mm-hmm. what I mean that the scene when she's in that closet and oh, the yeah. knife gets stabbed yeah. through that mm-hmm. uh, closet door yeah. in that light bulb yeah my sister that yeah. was horribly I know, scary I know my sister like couldn't uh, she had like this fear of that type of uh, in his ventilation hand. on the the, yeah. cl- the closet door you know like God. that kind of slanty hand swiped yeah. in yeah. the ball. The light yeah, it's, is swinging. That's the thing about Halloween is like it's so that has been done a billion times since, and no one has gotten it right. Like somehow they just made that so frightening at the end and just did everything perfectly. And that's yeah. part of the reason why I think Halloween Two is one of the greatest slasher movies of all time because it has that suspense at the end. You know, like yeah. a movie like that should be all about the third act, about the chase at the end, that nightmarish feeling that someone's coming after you and they can't be stopped. Yeah. And I feel like Halloween and Halloween 2 are two of the only slasher movies that ever pulled that off successfully. And, and I did see Halloween 3 and then 4 and mm-hmm. then I saw 5. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen the latest one that came out last year, mm-hmm. which I'm skeptical. Yeah, it was I mean, okay. like, come on. Just I another remake. Good yeah, lord. It, was, it didn't live up to the hype. Like it was just, it, it was, it was probably better than most of those sequels, but it wasn't anything special. It was just another slasher yeah. remake. Jamie Lee Curtis was a super badass in that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, but it was she still kind of she like, finally put the Activia yogurt down and yeah. did the latest <laughs> Halloween. She movie. finally got enough right good yeah, bacteria she, in her she, microbiome. She wanted uh, the probiotic. Yeah. <laughs> she did, but she, she should have had a refrigerator full of Activia. Yeah, that would have been. But like again, with that one and all the other ones, it's like they always miss the point of these movies, which is like about creating tense fear. And and just like that haunting kind of dreadful feeling, and then having a, a big nightmare sequence at the end. Yeah, they they just they don't get that. It's about the pacing, the atmosphere. You know, it's about crafting those things. Yeah, but the music I thought it w- somehow worked well. And oh it's yeah, rememberable. Oh, it was perfect. Perfect. It was I neat. mean, one of the best horror scores of all time. Best yeah. movie scores. It, it's simple. It's minimal, yeah. but it. 
it builds. Mm-hmm. I think that's a common thing with art in general. If you trace it, like what you were saying, Mike, about like the the actual building, the substance behind it, like the mm-hmm. the building of the pacing and the nightmarishness, and I, even like with music, I think about how back in the day, before there were as many effects and different things you could do for processing and electronic sounds, that a song was much more built around the actual substance of the song. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And the melody and the beat and everything like that because it had to be because you didn't have any other right, things to right. compensate for it. And now when you look at music today, everything's so, you know, overproduced and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, A good song should sound good on any instrument. Exactly. You should be able to do an acoustic version of that song yeah, and that song should absolutely. still be good. And I think that's something that you might notice with movies as well is that if you look at a movie from the 70s like uh, like a movie like The Shining, you know, the you can like the the character development throughout is amazing mm-hmm. and the the plot line and the pacing and everything like that and movies moved slower back then too yeah. Yeah. everything moved at a different pace and now i feel like things are so much more uh you know leaning on yeah. action scenes and Jamie Lee Curtis has to be this badass who's right. fucking stabbing him bad and it's just like you know just get, you know so yeah. I, I, I still feel like the definitive slasher movie has not been made i feel like yeah. somebody could make a better one than halloween but before we get off halloween uh, Michael Stansby, Stansby, sorry, Michael, from Newcastle in the UK says, "For me, Halloween's brilliance stems from its simplicity. What was billed as low-budget fluff, but a relatively unknown director spawned one of the most influential and resonant horror films of all time. By refraining from an excess of gore, Carpenter instead has to rely on his bone-chilling score, his masterful direction, lighting, sound effects, and camera tricks. To this day, those daytime stalking scenes chill me to the core." As far as pure horror icons, you can't get any more iconic than Myers. A sheer hurricane of unstoppable force. His reveal as the shape at the top of Laurie's stare is sheer cinematic genius. For me, simplicity is the key to genre-defining horror, and in that sense, Carpenter is king. Another really well-written confession. It's true. That man knows his horror. Absolutely. And his alliteration. Yes, (laughs) and and he knows good direction and music in the lighting and basic stalking of Michael behind the bushes as yeah, Laurie like Stroud that walks. Fear with of somebody girlfriend. watching you and following you. Yeah. You know, it's like that phantom kind of like And then he disappears in the bushes and then yeah. reappears or he drives that brown station wagon with wood paneling mm-hmm. down the street and then yeah. she goes, Speed kills and he slams yeah. on the brake yeah. and and then the music starts up. Dee 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 dee. Could somebody do do Yeah. Could somebody top Halloween as far as a slasher movie? Do you think? Um. Well, I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street. That was good. And then Hellraiser was interesting. I feel like that one wasn't so much a slasher movie though. I feel like that was more of just a horror tale, you know. But like the formula of like having. You know, like kind of this urban legend set up and then, uh, you know, a main character kind of being stalked and then her her his friends getting killed and then they're yeah. alone with the villain for like the final chase scene. Yeah. Could that be done better than Halloween, you think? Because they've no, tried it a million it, times. It was primal. Halloween was primally profound and basic and simple, which is true art sometimes, I think, when it's just created 
bluntly and uh, minimally, mm-hmm. sometimes adding a, a lot of stuff just voids everything out. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. just basic elements. Yeah. I don't know if you could create a definitive. It's like saying, like, has the definitive rock song come out yet? You know, it's like, how do you create something definitive after so much has already been done? Like, if you were to do something definitive at this point, it would basically have to take from all the yeah. movies that preceded sure. it. But what's wrong to, with that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but I don't know if you were to like to say that like you take a, an element from Halloween and then take an element from Friday the Thirteenth and mm. and Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. Big and then Mama's you, House. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor oh, Doolittle. And house and was you funny. Put, you pr- you you put that all as an amalgamation into one film that comprises all those elements. To say that that film would be the definitive one when all the ones that preceded right. it are what contributed to it. I don't know. I, I, it almost well, doesn't make sense to me. Well, that raises a question of like what constitutes definitive, you know? Because it's like, for me, it's uh, there's almost like a centrism with um, time, with chronology. Like, there's something like people are more prone to be like, well, the Beatles are better than some other. Like, yes. people don't want to objectively look at like what's the best song or what's the best album, or what's the best movie, without all this other context. Because, well, the reason, the reason, because you can't, because people, and, and it's the same way people are with, like, when you de- debate sports, people are like, is LeBron James better right. than Michael Jordan? And the answer is, you really can't, you, and it's cliche to say, but you can't compare, because when you take a guy like LeBron James and say, okay, well, if LeBron James played Michael Jordan, if LeBron James in his prime played Michael Jordan in his prime, it's very likely that LeBron James would probably win because he's bigger, stronger, right. faster, and probably better and more technically skilled. Mm-hmm. But the reason that he has all those attributes is because of the time period he came up watching guys like Michael Jordan and seeing mm-hmm. that that's the new bar that you have to reach. Sure. It's sure. like when you're in a weightlifting com- – I, I use the example of weightlifting competition because it, it, I, I didn't understand how it worked until recently. And I was like, oh, so basically – Every every round, you go and say, this is how much I'm going to lift. You mm. either do it or you don't, and then somebody has to match that. And as if you notice, like there's no world record in any sport that's still standing from like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Every world mm-hmm. record basically is broken right, every right. other year. And what's the reason for that? Are people just getting magically, genetically better every year? Mm. Or is it because the They're bar learning, is being right. raised, yeah. and now if you're a track star growing up, you know that the mile time you have to beat is 343, not mm-hmm. 412 or whatever it was in the 50s. Mm-hmm. That's the new thing, and so that becomes the new standard. Mm-hmm. And so to say that a band that came out in the 80s or 90s is definitively better than the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or any other rock band that came out in the 60s, I don't think you can say that because would that band, if that band were to come out in the right, Beatles' right. time, would they have been as you know profound and prolific as mm-hmm. the Beatles were? Mm-hmm. Could they exist without what preceded them? Yeah, I hear you. But there is something to be said, too, for like... yeah, I do feel like art is a little bit different than sports in that it's like... In some ways, it's just as far as the experience, it's just the piece of art itself, you know, and that that matters to people. Yes. As far as like the experience that it's supposed to, like you know, for like film nerds or whatever, they're going to take all that other stuff into account. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a great slasher movie, could there? I I kind of feel like somebody could still like if you took one of these great horror directors that are around now and let them take the time to, like, craft 
a good slasher movie because it's a genre that has a million terrible imitators of Halloween. Yes. Yeah, where the person falls and right, can't right, get it up and nobody and gets it right. It's like even, even the campy '80s stuff that I love, like Friday the Thirteenth. They never come close to like getting the the suspense and the tension right. I wonder what the new kids, the millennials, think or something, mm. or the new generation of. Horror, what scares them? Well, if you notice, I feel like even not just specifically in horror, but virtually every genre, there seems to be this, like, it's just a lot of remakes all the time. Everybody's going back and redoing what was done. Like, I remember my my one friend, I forgot who I was talking to, but he was like, oh, yeah, there's this new movie coming out and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, like, what, what movie is it? I, and that's not a question that you would ask unless you were like immersed in this culture where every movie that comes out is something based off of something you've already right, seen. Right. There's not a lot of new stories mm. that are being put mm. out there. So when he said that, it was kind of funny to me. I was like, I can't believe I just asked that question because I'm so... <laughs> right. in, I'm well, so what's like, it a remake of? Yeah, that's exactly. Like that was literally what I was like. <laughs> wow. He was like, oh no, it's like this movie about this thing. And I was like, oh, you mean it's like a whole, just a new... Whoa, it's not whoa, like the, what kind of weird indie yeah. genre are you yeah. talking about here? You mean Original? it's not like a spin-off character, like the Joker or something? <laughs> yeah. It's not like somebody's background yeah, origin joke. story right. or something. Right. What are you talking about? You yeah. know, They're not CGI-ing a dead actor into this? Exactly. You know, like exactly. Princess Leia or something? Exactly. What? Exactly. So I, I think the millennials, I think there is an appreciation for that old type of stuff. Yeah, and there is this whole internet culture of like original horror that really Hollywood should take note of. Like all the creepypasta. People are writing good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'll yeah. have to look it up. Um the new generation, it, it they are our future, it's and true. they are creating things. I believe creepy pasta it is must our be future. interesting. Being young and full of passion again to f- film and direct, and to, uh-huh. I think too, it's their parents that had a good influence, and their parents are people in their fifties and sixties who basically lived through the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and they are the ones that watched the original Halloween. Sure, so, sure, yeah. yeah. And So yeah. maybe they're influencing the children to say maybe my mom and dad were right. They did I, have I will say movies. it does feel like a pretty good era for a lot of creators. I do feel like there is a lot of good stuff coming out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people are fine. Like, Hollywood's finally catching up with what people actually want. And even though some of these, like, legacy sequels or whatever are kind of crappy, uh, you know, the Halloween, the Terminator yeah. 2, the Star Wars, where they bring mm-hmm. back the old actors, but that's still way more interesting than a remake or, like, a prequel or a spinoff, you know? Well, I think now it's kind of like the law of big numbers because mm. with all these different streaming platforms there's so much more content in general and so whereas in the past you know somebody Hollywood would invest all this money into a remake and there might only be like 10 shows that are popular anytime right. now it's like there's so much shit out there yeah. that you're gonna find something you absolutely. like absolutely you know absolutely. there's so much stuff being created so I don't necessarily know if it's a quality thing versus a quantity thing I think mm. you know it's probably the same as it ever was yeah Jimmy yes what would you say is the textbook definitive all-time encyclopedia horror movie? You know, I was planning on thinking about it as you guys were talking, but then I was just talking so much that I never <laughs> actually thought about it. Leprechaun in space? <laughs> yeah, I really, I really, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think, I mean, I, I as far as like a, a horror slasher movie, I, I, I tend to agree that the, 
Halloween, I, I, I agree with you, dude, and, right. and, and yeah. the confessors. Like, I don't yeah. think there's any competition in terms of as far as slasher movies go. Like, well, like, for instance, Blair Witch Project. What do you think of that? I thought that was, like, yucky. I mean, the camera was vibrating mm. and shaking. I think it was a very interesting... Was- I think it was a very interesting peek into how culture was shifting because if you notice... That came out in what the early two thousands, yeah, like ninety nine, I think. Yeah, and that was right around My the time year. when when all of entertainment started to switch to this kind of like real life reality TV, everything like that. Like people got more interesting. I never really made that connection actually. Yeah, it kind of seemed like all the culture shifted in that kind of like we didn't want to see a story, we don't we don't want to see a sitcom anymore. We want to see mm. like real people and real arguments and real fights and real things. And not stuff there like to that. make friends. Exactly, <laughs> not here to make friends. I'm here to win. <laughs> I always thought there should be a reality show called Making Friends. <laughs> Making where, Friends. Where there I'm to here to literally make, that's how I win. <laughs> I had to make the most friends. But if you look at that cultural progression, I feel like throughout time, it's gradually gotten from, because now what we're in right now is, I think this is like the podcast age, obviously. I think people are, are more receptive, or maybe not that they wouldn't have been receptive to it in years past, but the idea of a long-form Un, like unscripted, real conversation that mm-hmm. could be about anything mm-hmm. you want it to be about. And I think that if you trace it through from the 90s and see how we went from the sitcoms to the reality shows, which was basically like a kind of like missing link, kind of like a transitional phase into just getting to like, now it's not even a reality show. Now it's just just reality, just people talking and stuff like that. And I think that Blair Witch Project was a kind of like a, a microcosm in the horror field of that. Because if you notice, that kind of spawned off into like paranormal activity mm-hmm. and movies like that that all kind of took that same basic, like, oh, this is real. This is real. Yeah. You know? It found yeah. footage. Mm-hmm. Also, those are extremely cheap to make, too. Yeah. yeah. Compared to how, what were you going to say, Albert? Oh, I was. Another film is Silence of the Lambs was yeah. such a horror. Absolutely. Terrible. I would put that He's one. He's like, put some lotion in that basket. <laughs> in that poor dog. And, yeah, yeah. And she's. Uh, I, that was scary. And mm. he put g- goggle vision, night glasses on, and, and you could hear breathing and Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that definitely was a classic. Scary. I mean, does that one, that one doesn't quite, there's almost like a difference between like a thriller and a horror. Like Halloween, I would say, is almost more of a thriller in that it's like, it's all about the reaction it gives you, the way it makes you feel, you know, like it's supposed to like put you on edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Silence of the Lambs, I feel like is more just like a horrific story. You know oh, what I mean? Nightmare. And to think that's really happening out there. Yeah. There's like real episodes filmed in front of a studio audience. There's people being <laughs> locked in dungeons and closets. And I'm like, good Lord. Yeah. It's like maybe uh, they should uh, take some of those scenarios. I guess John Waters pulls a lot of creepy, freaky mm-hmm. situations from the news into his stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like dysfunction, mm-hmm. uh, horror. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of horror out there. Absolutely. How do you guys feel about The Ring? Oh. Um, I, th- I thought it was okay. I haven't watched it in probably over yeah, a decade. Yeah, I haven't watched it. It's hard, for me to, it's hard for me to quantify things that I saw when I was younger. Yeah, I saw that one when I was probably like 19, maybe, maybe 21. Um, saw it in the theater. I remember thinking like that was a pretty good horror, but it didn't it didn't like stick with yeah. me or anything. Yeah. Have you seen the ring, Albert? I'll have to. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. 
I don't know what it's about. It's the one that's the one that's like you're gonna die in seven days. Like if you watch this video, oh. do you recommend you f- I rent it? Because I will. It's rent definitely it. a movie that yeah, watch you it. should see. Wow. You know, it's, it's definitely Maybe something that's part of the you know. considered like one of the best horror movies. They did have a ring too. I think I don't remember if I saw it or not. Yeah, I think they. I'll have to rent that or see that. It's based on an Asian horror movie. I need young people to sort of tell me about this to help the elderly who <laughs> has an ARP card on Medicare B supplement to say, watch this horror movie nowadays. <laughs> this was good. Well, well this, it was like 20 years old already, too. Yeah, what, yeah, 20? Yeah, yeah. Holy bananas. It's hard for me to come up with <laughs> the definitive thing because I feel like, and I, I, I like that you make the distinction between thriller and horror movie because I think that that is an important distinction to make. When you talk about, like, when, when you have like the, the chase scenes and everything's supposed to make you react and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's kind of like certain comedies you can only watch once, you know, because mm-hmm. you see the jokes coming, you know what happens. And once the, once the element of surprise right, is right. taken away, then it, it kind of, then you kind of see the movie for what it really is. And then, and then it takes on a whole different form in your mind, mm-hmm. but a truly good horror movie, you should be able to watch over and over and over again. Yeah. And it takes you down the same progression, which is why I kind of look at movies like the shining because it's not just reliant on the chase scenes mm-hmm. and the murder and stuff like that, but it's actually this kind of like psychological theme that it's portraying over the course of the entire movie that is that doesn't need all the other frills in order to still be relevant. Yeah, right Shelley Duvall, she really was good at mm-hmm. it. She's saying, get away, get away. And mm-hmm. he has the axe through the door, yeah. and her fa- yeah. face is stuck to the door. Yeah, that, that look on her face is good just Lord, like, she just that was look good. is terrifying. And that little boy doing the tricycle, maybe, yeah. on the balcony, oh, yeah. and yeah. the two girls yeah. You know that whole, that whole thing was a set? Like, the whole interior of the of the uh hotel was like a set it wasn't real oh my really they yeah did isn't it that crazy in scatman scruthers or yeah. Cruthers was the uh, this african-american uh man mm. actor very well respected in his craft he mm. played that man who plowed yeah yeah or something those f- f- like trails in mm-hmm. the snow yeah I was going to say, um, well, I like in terms of horror movies where they portray kind of like a psychological thing, you've talked about The Witch before. Mm. I think that was an excellent horror movie, even though I had to literally watch it twice and look and have it like a YouTube video explain to me what the hell it was about. Right. I, it was just powerful. But also, I don't know if uh, you could consider Shutter Island a horror movie. Hmm. But I, if you could, I would say that that's definitely, I mean, that's a movie that really? sat with me that, like, because there are elements of it that are scary, but what's scary about it is not any particular scene. It's just the idea. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. idea of when you get to the end of the movie and you're like, was he crazy? Or were they fucking crazy? Like who mm-hmm. was who was right? What was what was I? You didn't know whose side you were on at the end. You right, had yeah. no idea. Like you, it almost put you like in his mind where you're like, was he imagining that shit the whole time, or was that all happening? And they were trying to trick him. And it's like they did such a good job of like kind of putting that confusion into the watcher's mind. Yeah, they well, I left to rent that too. Shutter Island I, is a very very gosh, good movie. How old is Scorsese? That? Isn't it? That's probably is it? I don't know. I, think I mean, so. Leo's in a lot of Scorsese films, so it could be. I think it is. Wow. But uh, I would I would say that movie was what fifteen years old? No, 15, 10? 2010, I think around there. Gosh, I'll have to see okay. that. Shutter yeah, it's, it's Island probably late in 2000s. the ring. Yeah, I'll have to look at them. Yeah, well, I got lots of horror recommendations. The Witch, like Jimmy was saying, you should definitely. That's a good see. one. All right, let's move on to 
Uh, this is from C.J. Kirkwood, Minneapolis, Indiana. The Exorcist. What makes The Exorcist the best horror movie? This movie makes you feel something other slasher-type horror doesn't. We can brush off machete-wielding zombie kids who can't swim good, but if you saw this movie as a younger person, as most of it, as most of us longtime film geeks have, it stays with you in a way the others don't. Scary, of course, but it is the best horror movie. Come on. It made the name Pazuzu terrifying. That is a scary demon name. Now, I'm of the opinion that organized religion is a sham and yada, 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 but there is one silver doubt tucked away somewhere in my heart. It's because of this movie, and that is true horror. If you look at it in the vein of The Godfather is the greatest drama of all time, cultural impact, financial success, and acclaim, The Exorcist is the greatest horror movie of all time. I agree, too, in a lot of ways, because I thought it was really scary. This is a fine evening for an exorcism, Father Karras. Damey, Damey, why do you do that to me, Damey? In time. Do it again, in time. Did you see what your stinking mother did? Ah, it burns. <laughs> Did you see the TV version? With the, seems like you kind of changed the uh, expletives. Oh, there. <laughs> I did. It's Calcon. I've, I've heard that uh, the they changed. <laughs> there's a line in the TV version. Your mother sucks uh, in hell. I think they changed it to your mother so sucks in hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, well, on Saturday Night Live. I think uh, Gilda Radner said, your mother sells dirty socks at Smell oh, or Oh, okay. Is that what it's from? Like 79. Oh, or there was okay. an exorcism uh, skit oh, I see. on it, which was funny, I thought. But the exorcist was scary and profound, and William Blatty was the writer, mm-hmm. and... I mean, the uh, ball, Tubular Bells was the soundtrack mm-hmm. guy, Michael Oldfeld. Yeah, great, great soundtrack on that one, too. Yeah, that's you know, the real story of that is like, uh, takes happened in Southern Maryland. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. too far from here. Um, yeah, Linda Blair did it oh, good. Yeah. In, she was uh, awesome. Exorcist 2 and 3 was sketchy. I Exorcist didn't know. 3, I think, was actually yeah. decent, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but. I will say also uh, one good thing about The Exorcist is it's so hard to have a good a, a good conclusion to a supernatural movie, I found, yeah. you know, because it's always got to be like, oh, we found some magical amulet or something like that. Yeah. But The Exorcist pulled it off, you know, like the, uh, the, the priest, spoiler alert, lets the demon enter him and then commits suicide. Yes. Which is like a great vanquishing, if you ask me. It's like a character-driven, you know. Kind and of, his kind head's of. down the steps in mm-hmm. Georgetown, D.C., yeah. and... Uh, her body floats, and um, she has a Christ crucifix, and uh, she says, you're all going to die up there. And then they had a spider walk. She walked yeah. on her Yeah, which legs. wasn't in the original version. They were no, it for the they, re-release. I remember maybe in 99 they had it yeah, out at the yeah. theaters. The version you've never seen, it yes. was called, which is kind of... Weird thing to call a movie. <laughs> yes, um, but also true because I haven't seen it. <laughs> I have you not seen it. The Exorcist at all? No, I haven't seen the version. I haven't oh, seen though. Man. Well, of course you haven't seen the version. You haven't. How could you have seen the version you've never seen? Exactly. Well, yeah, I re- ran it or something on. What would so do the new VHS. one where he? Gets I've seen the I've seen the original Exorcist yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But you haven't seen movie. the Spider Walk one. I have. I think I have seen that one too. 
Yeah. Is that oh, the version I haven't one. seen? That's the version you've never seen. Oh, mm. but but it's but not they it. <laughs> I would recommend just YouTubing that part because to be honest, those spliced images are just so quickly done it's not worth re-running to just watch it on youtube oh so it's just kind of like a a revamped version of the and they add the spider walk was a it was filmed for the original one but they couldn't get the look right because of the strings or whatever and like with cgi they were able to take out the strings finally so they're able to get it right um, but they do add some like subliminal. Th- but I kind of like that honestly. That's like one version of like an updated movie that I kind of like, where yeah. there's like you kind of see like the demon's face kind of popping up in different places. Oh, shit. oh yeah. I remember cool. that. Yeah, that was creepy. interesting. Or like weird shadows of like you know like yeah. But yeah, that's an amazing horror movie. Um, did you know they the the freezing scene in that they actually had to film inside of a real freezer? They like put oh. the set in a freezer. <laughs> Wow, yeah, it was well the done, the makeup and her head turning around. Oh, yeah. In D.C. at, like, the Smithsonian last year, there was the real puppet used for the exorcist behind glass so you could see the doll, the mechanics of the exorcist mm-hmm. set. Cool. It was in D.C. on exhibit mm-hmm. about some puppeteers or something used in Hollywood. Do you think the exorcist... A lot of people... With a lot of these movies, people kind of ascribe meanings to them. Like, it's actually about this, you know? Like, people say The Shining is about alcoholism. People say, uh, you know, Halloween is about um, fear of sex type of thing, you know? Fear of sex. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is, is kind of this virgin who is scared to date boys. And, like, just the the fear of, like, you know, uh, just having that in your life, you know, just like... Uh, I never once thought that that might be what it is. But maybe the fact that it starts off with, Mr. Sandman, Sandman. Uh, that's part two. That Not the first one. So Halloween 2 is about sex. Halloween 1 is about... Um, I'm going to go with uh, a crazy... <laughs> the government. Sex. The government. <laughs> The government. The Late stage capitalism. <laughs> that was good. And then, of course, in the shower scene, every, like, for instance, the um, there's even uh, Anthony Perkins mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, was in the Psycho thing. Yeah, I'm surprised no one picked Psycho. And um, the mom, Jamie Lee's real mom, yeah, yeah. played the Psycho right, right. woman. Yeah. And she gets stabbed. And I remember in 19... 19- 88 or 90, they did a new psycho, mm-hmm. like maybe. That was like I think. 2000 as well, I think. Yeah, it was or something uh, like Van that. Z- Gus Van Zandt or whatever, like made almost a shot for shot remake of it. Huh. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah, like a I, lot of people have I, criticized I, that movie. He said like he did it because young people don't watch black and white movies, so he wanted to give young people the experience of the. Hmm. Uh, psycho movie. Oh, that's <clears> fine. <throat> uh, honorable mention: American Psycho. That's a good movie too. Oh Christian yes, you know I never man, got that one. That that was interesting. How he kept his apartment real sterile and clean. Well, they say apparently that I think what you're supposed to get out of that movie, which I I've had to watch it a couple times, and then again, see somebody explain it because that stuff helps. But I think that movie was more so supposed to be about yuppie culture, which I like because yeah. I fucking hate yuppie culture. Um, just the idea of that kind of shit. And um, I think at the end of the movie, it's supposed to convey that that was another situation where I don't think he was actually doing I think that was a, a figment of his imagination. Because hmm. there's that one point where, like, 
the screen starts like when he goes to the ATM. I think that's like the breaking point where you start to realize that maybe it's actually in his head because mm. he, he starts withdrawing money, and the screen starts saying like "kill this per or put this cat in or feed me this cat." And oh. he's supposed to like jam the cat in the ATM, Jeez. and like so now at this point he's like you can clearly see that he's delusional. Like, mm. his reality is obviously shifted, and then, like, he's, like, running away from the cops, and he pulls up the gun and just, like, is this wow. amazing, like, act. He, like, shoots a cop car and it explodes, and, like, it gets so it gets so over the top on purpose to convey that, like, oh, maybe this whole time has been him just imagining killing these people hmm. because he, like, in his head is so repressed by his job and his life mm. that he, like, needs this outlet of, like, believing that he's this psychotic killer. But in reality, he's just a, a, just a drone, just like everybody else. Yeah. I thought that was a good That's concept. That's Christian Bale, right? Yes. Okay, yes. yeah. That, yeah, it was suspenseful. I think how he murdered these people, it was clean. Mm -hmm. I remember he had plastic tarps or something. I mean, there yeah. was so much. Yeah, he had, like, the vanity. Um, he didn't want to, like, get his stuff. Yeah, but then dirty. also, yeah, in the beginning of the movie, he has, he has, like, a very, like, you know, organized way of how he's doing it. But then towards the end, he, like, chases a girl down the stairs and throws a fucking chainsaw down the Ooh. stairwell at her. It's like... Am I supposed to believe that you're in an apartment building and you chase oh, a girl down no a stairwell, throwing a live chainsaw to the bottom floor that nobody, and then she is cut in half at the bottom and nobody saw that? Oh, Nobody yes. caught on to that? It's so like, it kind of went from like a reality to like a fantasy. It's supposed yeah. to gradually get so ridiculous right, that right. this guy is still just on at large, that yeah. you're just supposed to realize at a certain point that like, oh, this isn't real. Mm. This is a fucking psycho guy that is imagining this stuff, that mm. thinks he's doing this, and that's why at the end of the movie... He's still he's still just at a lunch meeting. Oh. And he says and he says like, dude, I called you on the phone and the guy's like, what are you talking about? You didn't you didn't call me on the phone. And he was like, I oh, know, I confessed that I murdered all these people last oh, night. Oh, wow. And the guy's like and the guy was like he was like, yeah, you were obviously joking because that guy I was just I was just at lunch with that guy. Like when he says like, no, I killed that guy. Like he confessed wow. to the murder to the, his lawyer and the lawyer's like, dude, I was literally just with him. You didn't mm. kill yeah. this guy. This is a bad joke. Like Quit, mm -hmm. leave me alone, you know? So at that point at the end, and he's just sitting there, and like he's just, and then the movie ends with a close up on his face, and he's like, I have confessed, no, or something like that. It was like, yeah. Hmm. There hmm. was another profound movie recently, but uh, it was called Ozark or Breaking Bad. Both are similar about the hardships of drug dealing. Were they sh But the murders or? were horribly done and executed with such. Horror that I still thought that was well written. Those Ozark. are shows, though, right? Ozark, Ozark yeah, and Ozark, Bad. and then Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, I like Breaking Bad. But the murders that were involved in the dysfunction of the people, I as well as the yeah the the ways they murdered people were violently done, but spooky. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. mean, the girl put a syringe in some guy's neck. And killed him, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was just it's creepy. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't stop watching. Yeah. The, I binge watched Breaking Bad like seven uh, seasons in like four days. Yeah, I watched it really quickly too. Yeah, I had hemorrhoidal flare up <laughs> after that. I mean, I was sitting in my depends at my old age, you know. Um. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I think we should try to decide what is number one. We've got Halloween. We've got The Shining, Silence of the Lambs, 
Exorcist. And Exorcist. I feel like those are the four that everyone seems to agree those on. Those are the four. And is it any coincidence that they all happen to be from the same time period? That is a good point. Late 60s. Or I'm 70s, sorry, late 70s, late 70s, mid to late 70s, right? Because I think that they were all. If you if you look at those movies, they kind of all were the like beginning stage of all those different branches of horror. Mm-hmm. Halloween mm-hmm. was like the original sure. definitive slasher. Yeah, Exorcist was kind of like that, kind of like possession or a silent, uh, The Shining was supernatural, like a psycho kind of, yeah. thriller. Yeah, right, right. So. So Silence of the Lambs though was later. That was like ninety. Okay. Okay. Silence of the Lambs. Okay, I can see that. Well, I I, I guess uh, horror. You know, it, uh, definitely The Exorcist is about Satan and demons. Mm. Michael Myers Far plays more real. Uh, formed a real Satan of human nature, mm. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, Shining is almost like a psychological demon type of thing. Psychological and um, both were well done. Mm -hmm. I, I mean Halloween. I have part one and two on DVD, and I still watch it. And what's cool I like about that is not only are you treated to good visuals of horror and a basic storyline. But the music itself mm, is perfect. memorable. Yeah, yeah. The Exorcist only has that one song, you mm-hmm. know, Tubular Bells or whatever. And I think music-wise, it the sound effects were just as scary mm-hmm. as the killings. Yeah, you could almost just do like an audio version of that movie and it would still be scary. Yeah, on Halloween they make DVDs and play the soundtrack and yeah. kids knock on the door mm-hmm. and Yeah, Silence of the Lambs in The Shining, those they didn't really have memorable scores, did they? Uh not really except Silence of the Lambs had either the toll like it was more of a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. They had it doesn't met- have something you can hum though. You no. Know, like- yeah. But yeah. it was consistent in Halloween, formulaic from the beginning, just that certain keyboard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the piano. See, I just I have trouble making Halloween the number one because it has flaws, you know, like it's some of the acting is painful. Some of the dialogue is, is sloppy, like with the teenagers, you know. Um, I feel like Shining and, and the, other, the other three are just like almost flawless movies. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in terms of just in terms of the right amount of like pop-up scares and development of an overarching theme, I think The Shining would probably take the kick in that. Yeah. Part. Yeah, I remember seeing The Shining in 1979 or 80 when it came out. I was in a movie theater and I saw it. It was interestingly weird. Um, mm-hmm. The visuals, it was surreal, like the wall or elevator full of blood oh, yeah. at the end, I mm-hmm. think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I think those are things that just go with the times, though. It's tough, you know, with the type of effects they had back then. It's like there's certain things that de- visuals that definitely look cheesy now. I didn't. Th- I don't think any of The Shining really looked cheesy, I except the- for the scene with the skeletons. Yeah, that yeah. one. It's like, why is that in there? Yeah, 
Yeah. Like a haunted house. I also thought the ending was cool, too, because it's like it's like it, it ends with the picture right on the mm-hmm. wall. Yeah. And yeah. it's like from the 1920s and it's the dude. Mm-hmm. And that is supposed to convey this thing as like, was he a ghost? Oh, was yeah. Like the reincarnation. Right, right. Well, the whole movie, I think, is made to not really have an answer, you know, like yeah. it's supposed to be up to your interpretation. Like if maybe like basically if maybe. I'm just now thinking about this, but like everyone, all the ghosts in the hotel are like, you know, classic trapped there and just kind of living on this kind of like repeat loop of their sins and their life and things like that. And perhaps this dude and his family, maybe he did kill his family and he's in that building all the time because that, that Butler guy, when he's like, he's like, Mm -hmm. I am you or something like that. You've been here for, you've been the caretaker for, a hundred years or something like that, you know? Right, it's like, right. so this guy is like, maybe he was also a ghost living in that hotel on repeat as the caretaker and just is constantly just looping mm-hmm. this yeah. part of his life. Oh, American like, Horror Story 2 was on Netflix or that came <coughs> out. That was sort of suspenseful season one and two. It's a good, that's that definitely a good show. Part one and two. But they definitely do things weird. like the first, like they definitely base things off of, you know, the, I think that's a concept of the show, so I'm not going to knock it, knock them for it. But like that was, you know, The Haunting House. It's clearly Amityville Horror. Yeah. And like, you know. Oh, so, that was a good movie. Yeah. Amityville. But Jody they, the Pig floating. Yes. yes. <laughs> but what they do is they kind of go and they just kind of, they take elements of yeah, classic. Homages. Yeah, and they pay, yeah, homage to it. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I would say that's a good show. Mm-hmm. Definitely not definitive. I would say kind of a. Uh, no. It Just, was well done. Part one and two. The season got weird after three and four. I I'm like, wow. Yeah, they kind of lost me at the uh, the one where they got kind of like political about it. Or that Stevie Nicks one, and she's singing it. She's on part season five. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, <laughs> I'm stay home watch. I like the freak show on. I thought that was oh, good. Yeah, that was. That my was God, good. the clown guy was pretty cool. Show. Um, but yeah, my, my ex used to watch that a lot and I would just kind of be in the room eating, seeing it, just being like, all right, it's cool. All right. Well, can we agree the shining is the definitive horror movie? Can we all vote on that? Yeah. Cinematography, acting, Jack Nicholson's wonderful. Right. He was a fixture of insanity. And they can, uh, I feel like a good aspect of a horror movie like that is, when you can take it slow with the pacing to build tension, but not make it boring, you know what I mean? Yes. Like the the character, like everything's quiet and slow, and like you're not rushing through things, but you're not bored out of your mind too, you know. And that's a really good art to be able to pull off. Yeah, the responsibility Hollywood has to make a good movie. Mm. It's interesting how you either can care. About a good movie or don't, and there are plenty mo- whores out there that are stupid. Mm-hmm. That oh, are yeah. Like, what are they thinking? Like 97%. Why aren't they, they, they've got money to right, do yeah. good I know. How strap. does anybody make a bad, like, all that time and money, and it's going to be seen all over the world, and, and you don't take the terrible. time to make it good? You know, I never understand yeah, that. Yeah, all that terrible, and they hire hundreds of people yeah, on the set yeah. to create stupid. Right, right. And maybe the writing, it stems from the beginning. Some of the best things are simple. Mm-hmm. The simple storyline. Sure, absolutely. 
All right. Well, this has been a great episode, Albert. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome it's back anytime. Good. Possibly I will if cool. my stretch limo gets here and picks my <laughs> corpse up and brings me here. Sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes. And Thanks, we will Jimmy. See, we will see Thanks, y'all next time. Michael. On the confessional.